So, hello everybody. Phoebe is an accomplished interior designer in Great Britain. She did a successful TED Talk with over 3,000 views titled the Interior Design is About More Than Wallpaper and Beanbags. Phoebe has been featured in over 14 major publications. Some include The Luxpad by Amara and House Magazine and others. Hi Phoebe, how are you? I'm good. I, I sound really good now, don't I? Yes, you do. <laughs> so... Thank you for coming on to our podcast and YouTube channel. We really appreciate it. I appreciate being asked. It was a bit of a, you know, one of those things like, yay. <laughs> so Phoebe, I know this question is cliche and, and kind of general, but I, I think it does matter. What made you want to become an interior designer? Um, well, it was the thing which um, I came to later on. So I'd originally started life in a very different direction. Okay. Um, so I had gone to drama school and was trying to make it as an actress, um, which, as you can probably guess by the change of path, wasn't working out so well. Um, But I I sort of got to that stage of it, and I was beginning to lose the passion for acting. And if you start losing that, frequently there's nothing else in it for you. Um, It's certainly not in it for the wage packet. Um, And I just had this gnawing feeling about, you know, what can I do? Oh, you know, I don't want to leave being creative behind but a lot of time also when acting you spend a lot of your time having to feed yourself so you're doing a lot of you know office works up through a lot of various different jobs in my life and found that I liked some of the process of working in marketing and stuff like that but I didn't want to go that direction and I didn't want to lose being creative and interestingly enough I was running this through and I found this book that I'd started to put together when I'd first moved out of home and my mom had originally wanted to be an interior designer that was kind of where she she trained in graphic design but had always wanted to do interiors and I found that I just this whole thing was full of stuff I'd cut out from rooms and you know and it was all compiled very much like you know this is all one type of thing all very organized and there's that moment you realize I've been doing this all the time and this is the right fit and it was a decision practically made in a coffee shop with, with my then boyfriend, now husband, where I went, this just feels like it's the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, I didn't throw everything in all at once. Um, so I went and started doing some evening courses just to double check I hadn't lost my mind. <laughs> and then I'd signed up to um, to go to a school over here called KLC, um, interior de- and it's an interior design school. So you can kind of do the whole course for for a year. And the more I did it, the more I loved it. But I loved both sides of it. I loved designing, mm-hmm. but I do like the element of of kind of where you're putting a project together. And it and that was the other thing where a lot of people in design school were going, Oh, I can't stand clients. I can't stand the project. I was going, Well, actually, I like that. And you don't get to do one bit without being able to do the other bit um so it just felt like a really good fit when I figured it out over a cup of tea (laughs) since it wasn't the given how you got into the field what are some misconceptions you think people have about the industry before they get into it and then realize okay that's not true once they're in the field um I think I think also the misconceptions have changed so when I was going into it so I've now been at it for 16 years now a lot of it was that that it was one super glamorous, and you would just walk into a room and go, "Darling, you need to do this," and they'd go, oh, "Yes, of course," and that there was a lot of money in it, um, and that we you know 
And now, ironically, there is probably a lot of money in the in the industry. You know, it costs a lot for people to do a project, but that doesn't mean there's a lot of money all the time for interior designers. And I think there's, um, and I, I think that's one of the ones where is about the misconception, is that you can kind of go where people go and go, oh yeah, and I'm just going to design, I'm going to make my fortune, and. Now, some top-end designers, they do make a lot of money, but they're dealing with really high, high net worth clients. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it's that thing that, and I think it's the glamour side of it as well. Like we're all just going to be swanning around doing nothing. It's, it's hard graft. And and if you go in not thinking you've got to really knuckle down and do it, and, and I think, you know, and it's, you know, and you've got to not only just design, you've got to market yourself and go in and sell yourself to people and and you know demonstrate what you've got in your mind on a piece of paper so they get it too and then you've got to deal with money as well you've got to move their money one place and another and buy things and you know and so it's yeah. all of those things so it's not just pointing at something and going beige <laughs> you know? exactly so you've been in the industry 16 years right yeah, yeah. so the i guess your TED Talk, which I watched, and a lot of our employees watched, and they loved it. By the way, you are a great public speaker. That, that's amazing. Like, I've never done public speaking before. That was, were you terrified, or was it natural? Um, it, was, it was terrifying, and it was the first time, and I think this goes back a little bit to the acting, because a lot of people went, oh, you know, it'll be so easy for you with the acting. You're going, well, when you walk on a stage acting, you're saying someone else's lines, and, you know, and someone and a director's working with you. Um, and also I hung up those socks 16 years earlier, but going in there, the preparation you do is, you know, you write it and you research it and you write it and, and you slice it and you cry and you learn it and, and then you go out and do it. And if you don't love the adrenaline rush of getting on a stage, then possibly it's not for you. That's my version of bungee jumping. Other people get an adrenaline rush from doing high octane sports. Not me, not me. but I, you know, I do that. <laughs> so, how far in were you into your career when you realized there's meaning behind what I do, or was that always? Um, I think, I think I'd gone through a real personal process where I was starting to question a couple of different things. One was that my, and you know, it starts with, you know, I felt really frivolous about my job. And there is that point when you're going in and you're just doing houses. And and I had a lot of friends um, who were, you know, doctors and, you know, lawyers and and doing things where they would come home and they would talk about, you know, my friend would work on the helicopter ambulances and her day would involve scraping people off the road saving their lives yeah. and I go I'll pick some sofas <laughs> so, you know I was beginning to question my my own kind of legacy I guess to what I was producing for the world um which is a weird one to do anyway and, and then so that was where originally some of it started to happen and I began to hear other people talk about stuff so I went to a conference and a suddenly people were talking about the bigger side of it and it made me go oh thank god you know because I was about halfway through at that point um 
my working life and sort of beginning to go, oh, hold on a minute, you can make a difference to staff retention in an office by how you design it and how you create the um, atmosphere there. And you can make a difference to whether people are, you know, you know, the mood of people, whether they are suffering more from depression. When people talk about walking into a room and go, God, this is depressing, it literally can be. And you're going, actually, I've got a set of skills that can make a difference. And the, but it, it was more that I'd go down, go down the pub and I'd rant about it to friends. And then I'd go sit in front of clients and go, yeah, we can do cushions and, and we can do your curtains. And, you know, because I didn't think a whole audience, I didn't think the people I was selling to wanted to hear it. And we're living in a social media age and everyone clicks on Instagram and they go, I love it, love it, love it, love it. And you can't see feeling in an Instagram picture but you can feel it when you walk into a room. And I just kept thinking there's something bigger here and I, and I want people to hear it because you can't say it any other way. Yeah, I agree. So when you, what's your new approach now when you meet with a client? So before you felt it was, do you have this approach with every client you meet? Or there's well, I think it's, you, you know what? I don't think they're going to care about the meaning behind this or, or some <laughs> you say, oh, I think they will care. I think, <laughs> I think there's, um, there's a way of approaching it. One is, is that it's on the website more now. It talks about, we sort of say that we are holistic interior designers. And a lot of time we have to define that as well so that people don't think we're going to turn up. I wrote it somewhere and somebody went, oh, do you do spiritual cleansings? And I went, no. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. Um, and so we very much define how we categorize that in itself and what holistic actually means, which is that everything is connected. Yeah. And so we'll define it by going, it's about how a space functions. Now, every designer is doing that. And if they're not, they jolly well should be. And then it's about how a, you know, a space looks. But then it's not about just like, this is how I think it should look. It's about like, okay, well, what represents you in how you look? You know, we all get up and get dressed every day. And we choose what we wear which represents us and our homes should do that. And as an interior designer, our job is to kind of interpret that on behalf of that client, not railroad over them. And it's much easier because now with a bigger portfolio, if people don't like my work, I normally say to them, possibly I'm not the girl for you. Um, but then I talk about the feeling side of it. And this is where I'll do a lot more research myself and I don't go lay it on thick with them, but I know that I know that stuff. And I know that when they a lot of time clients themselves would talk very emotive language about, you know, the, the space that they want you to design. Mm -hmm. And so even when I go into bid, you know, it's there. They possibly haven't been looking for it, but it's very much part of buying me. And then it's all about the process and it's all about going in when we bid for it. You know, one of the last phrases I always ask them is, how do you want your home to feel? And that's always really interesting, the words that they come up with. And that when we do the design process, and, I'm, and I just really cut it down into a little bit more of a lengthy process, just so that there's room for them to maneuver, because you're kind of getting to know each other. And so I create mood boards, and they are mood boards. They're not, you know, pictures of other interiors. They're like, this is what I think you want it to feel like. And that's going to head you in this colors and that's going to do this. And then, you know, we can play with it this way and this way for function. So, and I'm listening to their language. And then so we've recently worked for somebody who's just 
separate, you know, just getting divorced and she's stepping into a new life and she's kind of going, this is finally the home that she wants to do for her. And, um, and almost it's an underlying feeling of joy that, you know, she wanted color, she wanted self-expression, she wanted a space that really kind of made her happy for a different reason. And so it's very much all parts of it together. And that's holistic. You know, we're going to go, yeah, don't fall over the coffee table. That's why we've got it this size. But we're also using these colors because they were on a lot of her Pinterest boards already. Mm-hmm. We're going, and this is why we're using them. And this is why we're using them here, here, and here. And this is how we want you to feel when you walk into this room. So it's just an ongoing process. Yeah. So after your TED Talk and the, the great example you gave about uh, office spaces, did you have... All- office spaces reach out to you say hey can you help us redesign no and i'm really annoyed (laughs) yes i think a lot of time office spaces could be one of the most overlooked design spaces ever and and i was just talking to somebody about it over dinner um and i said you know i'd like to do more offices i think it's one of the most underutilized you know they're kind of one of the sectors who most underutilized using interior designers Mm. and then she went oh that's not true at all and i went well you know no, we're not when you look at the top. When you're looking at the Googles, when you're looking at, you know, the, the Saatchi and Saatchis, you know, they're all about pizzazz mm-hmm. and having a particular type of office that says something about them. And, and you know, they are talked about all the time. But when you've got just a, a regular company, let's say maximum 50, you know, a small to medium enterprise, maximum 50, frequently by about four to six, they rent their office space they purchase their furniture, they plonk it in, they kind of stick something on the wall. A lot of these office spaces themselves, because I have done one, aren't presented in a great order in themselves. There's a lot of trunking up the wall because people can't be bothered to, you know, actually put the cabling properly in. And they just become quite enclosing and no light. And and most of these companies are also the ones who turn around and go, well, we don't really want to spend money on that. We don't really want to invest in it. And then they have you know, staff turnover, mm-hmm. because people don't want to stay. It always, you know, they, they've got their paperwork all over the place. It's just, it's so, I think it's, you can make such a difference. And people are at work for so much of their life. Mm-hmm. Why can't they be happy there? Yeah, I agree completely. That's why I figured geez, somebody would have reached out and said, hey, help me with my office. I know, they're all bonkers. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you know, maybe this will be the moment. Yeah. Maybe if you just keep you like in. But I would say one some of it is that a lot of these people don't think to do it. They will look at other aspects that make their company work. They will look at, you know, you know, closing that next client or whether Fred in accounts is really working out for them. And, and, and they'll look at all those components, but they'll never turn around and go, hmm, you know, what's this space say about me? Yeah. And even if you look at it, it's like, well, I'm killing, I want to close that that next client, well, if that client's walking into that office and going, oh, this is a bit awful, they actually take that as a representation of what your company is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're always, you know, you're always on the back foot. And you, it was that classic phrase, you never have a second chance to make a first impression. Yeah. And that is the first impression they have of your company. And yet it's so overlooked, really overlooked. So one of our goals with this podcast is to make it almost like a, a support group for people in the industry, like architects, interior designers, anybody who's involved in the industry. So I'm sure you have some. Are there any horror stories, maybe deadlines you weren't able to meet or a contractor let you down or you 
thought your client wanted one thing and you came up with another. What oh my God. Everybody's got their horror stories, darling. Yeah. <laughs> 16 <laughs> years of them. Yeah. I think they get less the more you're in it because you can see them coming. You can head them off at the past a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think I do remember starting out and I was working, I did work for another company to begin with. And I think that's really crucial because you, you know, you learn a lot in college, but you learn an awful lot being mentored in a company. You can learn, you can make some mistakes under someone else's watch far more than under your own. And the first job I ever worked on, and I was quite intense about it because, you know, it's like wanted to get it so right. And the contractor just didn't turn up. So we were all ready to start. And, you know, this, this, you know, it was a, uh, a woman and she actually had a, um, elderly parents living in the house and they were doing a kind of quite a bit of kitchen renovation. And I'm sat there mm-hmm. 8 30, 9 30, 10 ish. And I'm phoning my boss. I mean, there's just no one here. And I've phoned, I've left a million messages. The guy's not picking up his phone and you know, they're just gone. And so we needed to figure out how we could, you know, so the first thing is I had to do is I had to drive to um, whatever the, you know, the UK equivalent of Home Depot, buy lots of drop cloths and plastic sticky. And I'm actually crawling on the floor, sellotaping down, protecting the house. And I'm also aware that we've got two aged parents who are a bit of a shuffler. So they're really not wanting to make sure you trip them up and having to prepare the whole site while my boss is back trying to find another contractor to literally start the next day. And the whole job had been lined up and, and you just are going, and now I was to say, you learn a lot from, I, from when people bid on work, if they're the kind of ones who can't be bothered to call you back, you know, when they're bidding on work, they're not going to be the ones who can be bothered to turn up for it. You know, if you can't, if you're not hungry enough to chase it at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was probably, I do just remember being stressed and going home and I was so young <laughs> Just crying, crying a lot. Going, I just can't do it, and um, and just realizing it wasn't my fault. And I, that's the thing is, I can't remember thinking it's my fault. It's my fault. I should have done something else. It's my fault. They just haven't shown up, <laughs> you know. And it's yeah. not someone who made a decision which was just really flaky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we sorted it out, it and they got their new the kitchen. <laughs> so it happens all the time. So what was your favorite project that you ever worked on? The one that, like, you were, when it finished, you were like, oh, my God, this is that, that was a great experience. Um, it's kind of a few, really. Uh, I always say that your greatest project is always the one you're currently working on. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's a bit like you kind of, you go, it's just really weird. It's just, it's not... Um, I mean, that's not always the case. I think it's all about relationships. So some of my favorite projects have been where you've been working with people who I've just done, I I think the one which would sum it up was when I've just done one last spring and we're just finishing it now. So the last bits are going in and really looking forward to photographing it. And it's that point when you go in and we're working with the client and they had a really lovely house as well. So you've got, you know, you've got really something beautiful to work with in the first place. And you go in, you've got to earn trust. And a lot of designers just say the phrase, oh, trust me, it'll work out. And you kind of go, no, you, you have to earn that yeah. to have someone trust you and, and invest in the project and invest in you. And we went in and just from the mood board through, they were loving it. 
And then there was an element of reconfiguring the kitchen and they went, well, we're going to go with bifold doors. Now, I'm sure in the States, they're a big, big thing in the back of the kitchen. Over here, people just can't get enough of it. They're all extending, big block on the back, bifold doors. But if they'd gone with the bifold doors, they actually had no kitchen because they'd lost so much wall that their kitchen and the actual usable space had just gone. And, um, and I went, I don't, I just, I just, my gut says it's not the answer. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of did a number of design drawings. And I said, look, this is it with the bifold doors. This is how much kitchen you get. This is it with, um, but how about we do this? We'll do through the dining area. You have big, beautiful French doors. So when you walk in the front door, you walk into the hallway, you can see right through these double doors into the kitchen and then these double doors out into the garden. But then we haven't bifolded it. So you have your whole nest of your kitchen over here and let's get the most out of that space as well. And, and they undernerd because they, their gut was going, but we had bifolds in the last house and everybody's got bifolds and we do love a bifold and will we not have enough light? And I went, yeah, but you won't have any kitchen. <laughs> There'll be no kitchen. <laughs> and it was the point when they went, yeah, no, you're right. And their builder was suddenly going, no, no, you've got to have bifolds. And they were going, no, 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 we're going to do this. And it, they finished it. And we walk into the space. The space looks amazing. I was just so happy with that. And I go, how do you find working in it? They go, it's great. We've got everything here. We've got, you know, an ex- we've got all the storage we need. We've got great prep amount. And, you know, we've got the ability to have the light from the garden. She said, and everyone comes in. They just love this space. And it was that having the conviction to know that you're right. And but you you know you've got to put the, put it something forward, and it's not what everyone else is doing, but it's the right fit for that job. And then I go into that project, and they were really bold with the colours they they went with, and we got to use some really beautiful products from Independence as well, and it's all just come together. And that was also the point where a client trusted and kind of went with all of it. They never fiddled with any of it. They didn't go, oh yeah, but we've bought this chair on the sly, or they yeah. they they did it all. And you walk in, you're going yeah, this really works and I'm really happy with it. And, and, and they're really happy. And I go, you know, I say, how do you find it? And she goes, we look forward to coming home and we come in the door and we just have the biggest smile and we, we look forward to coming back from holiday. And you're going, that's what it's about. It's, yeah. it's about that because when I walk out the door, it's not my home. And, I'm, and you know, I'm lucky enough to get it on my portfolio but it's them day after day after day, year after year, raising their kids in this environment that they need to love and can work in. So they say, and obviously it's true, with today's rapid change in technology, every industry is being disrupted every day. Like, mm. how, how do you see the future of interior design moving forward? Has it been disrupted? Have there been any major changes recently? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of different things. One is interior design is not recession proof. And I think that's that's the thing which every interior designer whoever sets up a business needs to basically model in to their business plan. And um, I think it's, you know, the, the more you model that in, the more survivable those recessions are. And recessions will always happen. You know, it's, it's the nature of economies. And, um, you know, but if, you know, if people are worried about their jobs, you're kind of first off the shopping list. Let's just go with that. Or the jobs just take longer because they'll go, well, I'll just do a little bit and I'll just do a little bit and I'll just do a little bit. So always be aware of that. And that's, I think that's always been there. Yeah. But um, it takes having more longevity just to know that's what you could do. I think one of the biggest disruptions we've seen 
most definitely since I've started. And it has, it has most definitely has a lot of pros, but it has some cons as well, which is the rise of social media. And um, I think social media has really made a lot of people really thirsty for interiors. And, you know, they're just on that Instagram gobbling up those photos. Um, you know, blogs are out there and I blog as well, you know, just and people can get information so quickly and so rapidly. And they love it. And it's great because you're seeing a whole new market of both customers coming to us um so that most of the time i'll get a call that people go oh, i've never used an interior designer before and then these were people where you know their parents never would have beforehand they're kind of a different sector who are beginning to see the the value in it and the love of beautiful interiors and it's not for the rich and it's not and it's not frivolous and i think that's fantastic that's a big deal I, so there's a bigger market right now because of yeah i think it is a bigger market now on the other side i think good thing which is you're seeing a lot of talent come up as well who are able you don't rely on magazines to make your voice for you heard for you you don't have to rely on someone else discovering you you can create yourself but the other possibility is sometimes you've got to watch you don't create a monster. <laughs> I think it's, but then at the same time, people are having a lot of thirst for images and you've got a lot of, suddenly everything's quick turnaround because everyone wants something, you know, something quick on the next blog. And I'm not quite sure that's great for consumerism. I'm sure it's great for consumerism. Actually, that's a great, it's a fabulous for consumerism, but I'm not quite sure it's uh, great for being a more conscious consumer. Um, so that if people are suddenly going, you know, well, I, you know, I need to read, you know, I need to switch up my cushions every spring and, and, you know, and I need a new couch every two years. But these are big ticket items yeah. and you've got to look at where those go, go in landfill, you know, what happens to them? You know, you, you, we can't, con we can't naturally consume as much as we are without it being a worry. Um, and then economically, that's really hard on pe on people personally to feel that, uh, you know, they need to, be some new something new and people aren't buying for the long term you know i remember my my mom you know it's god this makes me feel like 102 i remember you know when my grandparents and my mom used to go and buy a piece of furniture they were talking you know and when i was training you know you talk about doing a lounge to last you you know 10 years and now people talk about doing a lounge to last them 18 months to two to two years and and that's worrying you know, it just makes everything so finite and people want to change and everything like that very quickly. I think it's not great for planet Earth. And sometimes we need to just slow down and just be a bit more considerate of how we purchase and where we purchase and, you know, and who's making it. I mean, there's been a big highlight on fast fashion. And a lot of these, you know, fast fashion brands, and they've been highlighted for their not great element of how they're manufacturing and who is making it and how much they're being paid and yet these same brands are bringing out homewares yet none of us are asking these questions so it's it's maybe we'll begin to mm -hmm. um maybe the fact that even one of us is just going should we know more yeah. should we be more conscious of how we consume and not be as much about our 22nd instagram picture um and I think that's the other thing, you know, with, with, you know, social media is, you know, you, you might have unreleased a beast in a different direction. And I think that's, that's the one. Well, thank you for fighting that fight and raising awareness because your TED talk certainly raised a lot of awareness. I'm, I'm sure 
with the prison story and um, and all the things you just mentioned. Thank you. I think that's important. Um, what would you recommend to an upcoming interior designer? Some tips to succeed in the field or to have a positive impact in on the world through their career. Um, I would say you can never you can never learn enough. Um, so I sometimes. I think I was once at a sort of blogger drink thing and I turned around the whole room was like full of interior design bloggers. And then when I, took, when I also looked around, I realized that actually out of all of us there, only two of us were actually designers. So I went, hey, yay. Um, but some lovely keen thing bounded up to me and sort of went, oh, I want to do what you do. How do I do it? And I went, well, I went and got training. I went and got training and I took time out and, you know, and it's, you know, still stands me in good stead because I was taught how to use a CAD package. I was taught how to do a specification. You know, I was taught those things. They didn't, I wasn't there to learn style. They believe you came with your own sense of it and you were just getting tools, tools of how to do the thing. And you met amazing designers really high up the chain. And, and this person just went, I haven't got time for that. It's just like, well, how much do you want this? How much do you want it? You know, how much do you want, you know, you're turning to me at 23 and saying, I can't take time out for a year to three years to train. But if you want to do this for your lifetime, which is, you know, 40 to 50 years of working, Mm -hmm. why would you not want to strive to be the best of what you can be? And And I think that goes, so I tell that story at the beginning, you know, for the beginning of someone's career. But I think that's true throughout. I ask that question of myself all the time. You know, I look at what are my weaknesses? How can I be better? If that's not happening for me, what do I need to learn? How can I need to, you know, do something to grow, to grow? And if I'm not a better designer than I was three years ago, I'm not good at taking care of my, you know, my skill if I'm not a better designer in three years time or in six years time then you know that's crazy (laughs) and and also having trust in that that, you know the more you know the better you are just make you know the quicker it is to make a decision you just kind of know some things aren't going to work you know some things just aren't you know you, you just there is a wealth of knowledge out there and it's when people start shutting down, like, well, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to train or I don't need to read a book. Or I, you know, I've just got a killer sense of style. We've got a killer sense of style and it gets you so far, honey. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and why would you not want to go work for some of the best designers in the world? I run my own business, but still I would just absolutely love to work for some of the best designers in the world. What, what else could you learn there? Um, and that's the whole thing. It's just, don't don't narrow yourself too early because if you want to play the long game, know as much as humanly possible. I think that's that's always what I say. There is a, a sense of people um, talking down to employees, like, oh, I don't want to be an employee ever. I you know I want to own my own business, but you know it's uh there's certainly benefits to working for a great company and learning and right. I think there's benefits. You know, I think it's benefits on all different levels, but it's about what, what do you want to accomplish? So running a business, it's hard, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone's just going to go, I'm going to crush it. (laughs) I'm going to crush it. I'm going to run a business. And you're just like going, 
do you, do you know what it is when you've got to get your design out? So only you can do that. And yet at the same time, suddenly, you know, we had it recently where we had the GDPR stuff over in the UK and a mass legal thing. And we all had to be compliant by a particular day, every business everywhere. And you've got to do it. And you're going, I don't know, and now I've got to pay someone and I didn't really account for that. And you're going, that's running a business. But at the same time, you've still got to produce the work. And if you want to run a business, you better figure out getting a business head on as well as your creative. And it took me a while to learn that, to be honest with you. I kind of went, now I'm going to be an interior designer. I'll just happen to run a business. And you go, no, you have to run a business and then you get to be an interior designer. Yeah. Um, God, I've got completely the amazing question you asked. I just went off on one. Um, and then I think that there is a security in being an employee. You know, your wage comes in every single month and the work is brought to you on your desk. Why not do that at the very much at the beginning of your career? Because you, then you can learn to be the best designer you are. And that, you know, and then you've got people around you, you can turn and go, you know what, trying to put this bathroom together. I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. And they can look at your work and you, and that's what I loved about, so I worked for somebody for about two and two and a half years before I went out on my own. And that's, you know, that was as much my training as anything. And it gave me a chance just to be a designer and to also observe someone else's business and figure out what was working for them and possibly maybe what wasn't. I didn't realize you were doing it at the time. And so there is a security to be an employee. And some days when it's been tough worrying a business, you go, God, maybe I'll just get a job. I'll just get a job and get out of here. But then there's a great thing about running a business is, is that you get to kind of really do your own designs. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's a moment where it's kind of, you've got to ask what kind of business do I want to run? What kind of designer do I want to be? Where do I want to find my work? How do I want my life to work? And that's the other thing is, is that, you know, it's, if for me, I went into it, it was, it was something I always wanted to do, but I made the jump because I had a baby and it was that moment we ran the numbers and we went, there's nothing, you know, by the time we paid for childcare and transport back to work, there is nothing in the pot. So I've got nothing to lose by I think it was almost soft starting the company and sort of going, right, well, we're going to just start it and we're going to balance it a little bit and then let it grow. And for the first few years, it, for me, it was about keeping my hand in the game. I would almost say the first very, you know, very beginning years of Smart Style Interiors. So it was about getting that first job, which is the hardest job to ever get. Um, and it was about you know, building a portfolio and getting kind of references and knowing that you were learning your skills and learning how to run a business and, you know, and, and those sort of things while also kind of doing the baby runs and the other things like that. And then as, you know, one thing became, you know, there's the childcare is less necessary, the business could grow, but I had the foundation of that business without having either a gap or suddenly leaving my boss and having, you know, kind of restrictions on me due to my contract and stuff like that so that's why that's why I made the jump and then you realize you love what you're building so well Phoebe honestly I agree 100% with everything you're saying I love that you're bringing awareness to to major issues I love your view on on business and how hard it is because when it's Thursday and you got to make payroll the next day and you don't got the money it's very 
hard to focus yeah. on what you love when that's happening. So I definitely think that's a huge point. Love talking to you. Um, what do you want to, are there any projects you want to tell the world about before we end this? Anything you want to promote? How can people reach out to you? Oh my God. It's just like, so much. um, I, I mean, I love what I do and I love every opportunity to do more of it. Um, so, you know, maybe is that killer office I've been looking for yeah. <laughs> that one SME who's just gone, you know what, maybe she's right. Maybe we'll call. <laughs> so I think I'd like to open up a little bit more into commercial because, um, I think there's, I think the holistic thing hits quite nicely there. You know, people do pick a restaurant to eat at with regards to how they feel when they're in it. You know, is it a great atmosphere? We call it atmosphere, but it's about a feeling, you know. So I would like to open that door, but I love, I love continuing doing, working with, you know, families and to build beautiful homes for them as well. Um, if anyone does want to watch the TED Doc who happens to miss it, please go over and have a check it out. Well, and also we've got a blog. No, no, we have a blog and it comes out 3 p.m. English time um on fridays and it sort of covers some of the bigger topics so yeah okay great so we'll put a link to your ted talk on the video perfect so, yeah, i think this will be a great help for starting interior designers as well as people who've been in the field anyone who just wants to start a business without any experience i'm sure they'll love to listen to what you said and oh. um hopefully this brings awareness to some big issues um yeah thank you so much for doing this phoebe we oh, that's really okay. Podcast and our and our channel, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime when you have some other projects you want to promote or talk. About. I would, I would, I'm all up for chatting, as okay. you can probably tell. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Phoebe. Thank you. Bye. Bye.